This week on TSR, podcasting on a boat. SpaceX has a big rocket. That's a lot of new Star Wars books. And the state of the superhero. All that and more on this episode of TSR. Listeners, we are back. You are listening to TSR episode... What episode is this? Uh, I have no idea. 180-something. 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 It's been a while since we've done this. Yes, we're back. I'm your host, Brian Larson. With me, as always, is uh, my wife, Nancy Schwartz. Hi. And yes, we're back. Back from hiatus. Back on our bullshit, kind of. Back from outer space. <laughs> something like that. Something like that. Uh, yeah, so... 184. Um, Huh? 184. 184. TSR <laughs> episode 184. Uh, yeah, we're back. We took a little break for a while to, um, well, kind of reevaluate the show, uh, see where we're going with this and kind of what we wanted to do and if we wanted to keep doing it. The answer to the latter part is yes, we wanted to keep doing it. But we did decide, you know, we, we want to change the show a bit. Just a bit. A little bit. A lot. Not, not, I mean, not a lot. It's still us. We're still talking about geeky things. We're still talking a little bit about Star Wars. But, you know, we're going to talk about stuff other than Star Wars now. So if you came for the Star Wars, don't worry. We're still going to talk about Star Wars because it's us and it's me. Uh, but we're also going to talk about the other geeky things that pique our interest. And contrary to popular belief, there are other things. Yeah. Yeah, there are. Not more for you than for me. <laughs> you're you're more into other things. Ah, than crap! Me. This reformatted a show idea is going to last like two episodes, and we're killing it forever, right? No, why do you say that? Because <laughs> I'm the only one interested. No, that's not true. I'm interested. I'm say okay. This is not true. I'm more. I'm interested in other geeky things, not necessarily fandoms, like. I don't really have other fandoms other than Star Wars, but I like other stuff. I'm just not like, you know, knee deep in the fandom of it. So. Which is fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're, we're all fine here. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, Nancy, uh, we were on a boat. We were on a we boat. We were on a boat, and it was a lot of fun. It was. Why are we not on a boat right now? Because it costs about $2,500 to be on a boat for seven days. Oh, more than that. Oh, great. <laughs> Way more than that. Did you look at our bill? <laughs> I tried not to. <laughs> so, yeah, we were on a boat. We did the Star Wars Day at Sea Cruise on Disney Cruise Line. Again, it was our second time, but this time it was just us. Uh, no family around this time. It was very nice. It was a nice vacation. Um, I wish we had more Star Wars on the boat because uh, I always I wish every day was Star Wars Day at Sea. <laughs> Live your life like it's Star Wars Day at Sea every day. Yeah, but yeah, I it was fun and I want to go back. <laughs> Good news, we're going back in December. Yes, yeah, so. for a Christmas cruise, a maritime cruise, which some of you more astute listeners will realize is a pun. It took Nancy like two years to realize that a maritime cruise. Is a pun. Ha ha ha. Ha. 
What? So we'll have more about our uh, Star Wars Day at Sea cruise on an upcoming episode of The Mouse Droid, which we need to record the other half for, but it's coming soon. And, you know, I actually would like to do... I've been reading about them, and I think it would be really fun to do the Marvel Day at Sea Cruises. Don't those sail out of New York? Uh, uh, Miami. Oh, okay. Yes. The first one sailed out of New York, and now they're they're, uh, sailing out of Miami. The same time as the Star Wars Day at Sea Cruises go, but it looks it looked like it was a lot of fun. Like they had uh, like all the characters out. They had the Disney characters dressed up as their favorite superheroes, and which I would love if they brought back the Star Wars characters, Star Wars Disney characters because they used to have them at Star Wars weekends and then they got rid of them. If they brought them back for Star Wars Day at Sea, that would be awesome. But I don't think they will. Alas, yeah. So yeah, we're on a boat. We're on a boat. It was great. Yep. Now we're back. We're back. And unhappy <laughs> and miserable. <laughs> back, back from the boat. Back on TSR. Back on our bullshit. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, we've got some announcements though. Uh, things we- that have happened on the network uh, since we last convened here. Yes, we do. Uh, first off, you've got a new podcast. I do have a new podcast. It's called the Vercosa Cast. It is about. The Vercozigan Saga by Lois McMaster Bujold. I am doing that show with my friend Robin, um, and it has been a lot of fun. We have recorded our intro episode and two regular discussion episodes so far. We've done Shards of Honor and Berear, which are the first two books in the Vercozigan family saga, and we are planning to read through... Um, Gentleman Joel and the Red Queen, which is the last one that came out in 2016. And we're going to be doing a book per month. Um, there is a schedule on the blog so you can see um, what books we're doing. We're also going to read the novellas, uh, cook those into a few of the episodes where they fit in the chronology and we're all we're going in chronological order not publication order because the publication order is weird and we're also excluding two of the novels that don't have anything to do with the Vercosigans. so yes if you're interested come listen to our show it's on the same feed as the book club or the master feed and uh it is i am having a blast reading through these books again hooray yep uh, we've also got a, another new show called The Vong Cast that is uh, hosted by Bria, uh, Megan, and uh, Rocky. Uh, yep. So if you have the urge to go reread the New Jedi Order, we've got a book club for you. Yes, if uh, yeah, for those of you who have not read those those books, Vong are the uh, the bad guys in that series, and they hate being called Vong. It's it's heresy. So that's funny that it's the name of their podcast. <laughs> but yeah, I think they've just done Vector Prime, which is the first book. So they're recording the second book next week. So if you're interested, check them out. And finally, uh, you may have seen it in your feeds by now. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to their direct feed, you absolutely should. But uh, we had a uh, another podcast join our network. This one had already been pre-established, and we were uh, very, very excited to bring them aboard. Uh, the Book Wars pod is now a part of the Tashi Station network family. Yeah, and that's uh, they're a great show. They read through the various new canon books. They usually do a couple chapters a week discussion and then a wrap up when they're, when they're done. And that's um, Chris, Kate and um, Kristen are the hosts of that show. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. 
I think I'm going to drag them on to make them roll some dice and pretend to be a Star <coughs> War on of dice and droids soon. I mean, yes, you should. That, that would be fun. That's that's our uh, that's our initiative. I feel like I feel like Kristen would uh, have everyone go to a a pub or a brewery. <laughs> I'm down with this. Yes. Okay, Nancy. I have a BuzzFeed quiz for you. You do? I do. I have one for you. Excellent. <laughs> it's the same one. <laughs> let's let's do a BuzzFeed quiz. Okay. Uh, which, which one is this? This is which Marvel hunk would be your skating partner based on your Marvel movie opinions? And this is because uh, the Olympics were just recently, which we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about Marvel movies at the end of the show. So this is fitting. Uh, do you want to do... Do you want to ask me the questions, or do you do you want to do them together? Like I'll I'll ask you the questions. Okay, so you're not going to do the quiz. Well, I'll also give my answer, but I'm going to ask you the questions. Okay, so I should pick your answers then. Are you? No, you're going to input your answers. Okay, okay, so you're just going to say the questions. Okay, okay, I get it. So we're each doing the quiz. You're talking. C- correct. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. So question number one: Which Iron Man movie is the best? Iron Man. The first one? Yes. Yeah, I'm, that is also my answer. Okay. <laughs> uh, question number two, which Captain America movie is the best? The first one. Yeah, same. Are you really? <laughs> yeah, it's, I love the first Avenger. We're the only people who think that uh, the first Avenger is better than the other two Marvel or the other two Captain America yeah. movies. Uh, question number three, which Thor movie is the best? Now, I know you have a soft spot for the Kenneth Branagh first film. Yeah, but I think Ragnarok is is the one I'm going to pick. Uh, we're answering everything in unison here. I, so we're going to uh, be partners with each other. Uh, pretty much. Uh, which Guardians movie is well, wait, the best? I, I don't know. I'm going back and forth over whether or not the first. Th- yeah, Ragnarok. <laughs> uh, the Ragnarok just made me so happy. Yeah. Which Guardians of the Galaxy movie is the best? Are you asked that question? Which, yeah, which Guardian of the Galaxy movie is the best? <sighs> oh, that's a hard one. Because I think I like the second one better. But I don't know if it's a better movie. I'm going to say the second one. I, I think I might go with the first one. Oh, we have a different answer. Yes. Yay. Um, just because it was so out there. It stuck with me how out there and different and weird it was compared to the other films in the Marvel pantheon. Right. Okay. Which Avengers movie is the, the first a, one? There's a bonus poll, Brian. There's a bonus poll? Do you not see it? promoted by do you not have that i don't have that which of these pairs would you rather curl up and relax with and it's a cat and a dog and a cat and a puppy which avengers movie is the best uh the first one (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay which one is the best um just a grab bag here spider-man homecoming doctor strange black panther the incredible hulk well, Black Panther. I've only seen Black Panther, so that gets it by default, although I think it would win anyway. Okay. Okay, which phase one movie is your favorite? Okay. you give me- Iron Man, Thor, Captain America the First Avenger, Iron Man 2, Avengers, or The Incredible Hulk? What's yours? It's Avengers for me. Thor for me. Okay. Okay, which Phase 2 movie is your favorite? Iron Man 3, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, The Dark World, or Ant-Man? 
Guardians, Guardians. of the Galaxy. Yeah. Okay. Which Phase 3 movie is your favorite? Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming? Hey, no, oh no. What happened? Oh, uh, I accidentally clicked on it and something and it finished my test. Um, oh. Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, or Black Panther? Oh, Ragnarok. Yeah, it's Ragnarok for me too. Really? We only had one different answer through there. I got Tom Holland. I I also got Tom Holland. So Spider-Man is... He looks uh, like he would be a good partner. He's he's like small and life and he can flip around a lot. So yes, our... He would our, be our partner. Our, pair, our figure skating pair's partner is Tom Holland. I don't know how they get that. I, don't, I didn't even pick any Spider-Man There's no movies. logic to any of these BuzzFeed quizzes. That's why it's fun. Okay. Okay, moving on to the news. Hey, Space SpaceX, SpaceX launched a really big freaking rocket. Yeah, big rocket. The uh, Falcon Heavy launched uh, 27 Merlin engines lighting up at the same time. And it was three Falcon 9s, right? Uh, essentially three Falcon, three Falcon nine. 9s, but the center stage uh, is taller and has more f- propellant than. Um, than uh, a regular Falcon 9. Mm-hmm. Um, that was wild. Yeah. It was February 6th, right? F- yeah, February 6th. Yeah. Um, I expected a rocket that big to look like other rockets that were that big. So one of the Deltas yeah. is a similar kind of configura- configuration. Mm-hmm. And anytime a Delta Heavy goes up, it looks like it is going lurching forward gonna collapse back to the ground before it finally clears the tower that falcon heavy just shot out of the tower like a bullet Mm -hmm. and it was wild now you were able to see it from your office right yes we were yeah i could i could only uh watch um watch live stream in our uh in the commons in our office um but uh it that was one of the most amazing uh space flight things i have ever seen um just uh how quickly it left the tower and then um <laughs> that synchronized uh the synchronized landing of the two stages yes was one of the most impressive uh, yeah, flight plans I, i've ever seen i like yeah i was watching it on my computer and i was like Oh, that booster looks like it's off center. Like, and then I realized, oh no, wait, there's another one in the foreground, and they're landing at the same freaking time. What? Uh, yeah. And then, of course, now there's a car in space. Yeah. Elon Musk uh, launching his Tesla Roadster into space because when you're essentially an evil billionaire genius, that's the kind of thing you do. Yeah. Uh, so yes, Falcon Heavy, very exciting, uh, and hopefully we'll have some, uh, news on some, uh, payload it'll be taking up soon. It is a, uh, big step for the space program because, uh, we have not had a launch vehicle with that kind of lift capacity in quite some time. Yeah. So, we will see where that goes. And, uh, hey, the Olympics also happened. Mm Mm-hmm. We missed most of it. We were on a boat. We were on a boat, so we missed like the first half of it. 
You are not as big a fan of the winter games as the summer games, though. No, I'm not. And I it's mean, the other way around for me. I mean, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of the Olympics in general. Like, I watch it if it's on. But, like, in the summer games, I really enjoy watching the swimming, and I really enjoy watching the gym- gymnastics. Like, back in the day, I used to be a gymnastics fangirl. I knew, like, in for the 96 games, I knew, like, everyone on the team. I watched the, the U.S. qualifiers. I used to, like, watch all the competitions, like... Even, like, the 92 games, I was really into it, too. And then, like, I would just, like, watch all the competitions and keep up with who the new gymnasts were. I I have not kept up with it since then, but I still really enjoy watching gymnastics. Um, and so, like, those two sports are, like, I really like watching them. I don't like watching track and field as much, but I like the sprints. Um, so, like, like... The the winter games for me, I just don't really know a lot of the sports. Like I like figure skating and that's kind of it. <laughs> so I mean I watched it when it was on. It was interesting. Yeah, I and I love all of the downhill events. Mm-hmm. Uh so I'm I enjoyed it and I got to see most of the downhill stuff uh when we got back, which was great. Um but yeah, I'm a little bummed we I missed half of the games. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. We got the summer games back in two years that we'll talk about then. We were on a boat. And I will leave this next one to you. You will? Yes. Oh, yes. The Nebula nominations were announced. The Nebula nominate awards are the awards for the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America. Um, and I, as usual, don't know a lot, haven't read a lot of the books. Um, I have read two of the novels. I think that's the most... Of the novels I've read. Uh, uh, Amberlow and Six Wakes? Yes. The ones you read? Yes. Uh, so there's Amberlow by Laura Elena Donnelly, The Strange Case of the Alchemist's Daughter by Theodora Goss, uh, Spoonbenders by Daryl Gregory, The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemison, Six Wakes by Moore Lafferty, Jade City by Fonda Lee, and Autonomous by Annalie Newitz. The only one on this list I read was Six Wakes, and I freaking loved Six Wakes. It was so good. I have a feeling Stone Sky is probably going to win, though, because it's N.K. Jemison. Uh, yeah, and she is a <laughs> I she think is a she won for the previous... Her, I, I know she won the Hugo for her previous novels. Um, I have one... I have read one of the novellas, um, All Systems Read by Martha Wells, which is great and you all should read it and there are more Murderbot books coming out i need to actually f- find out if some of them are out because they're they're so good they're about a robot who calls herself Murderbot, and it's fantastic i also have the river of teeth novella but i haven't read it yet um so yeah those are and then um they they have the ray bradbury award for outstanding dramatic presentation um and We've seen two of those, uh, uh, Get Out, The Good Place, Logan, The Shape of Water, The Last Jedi, and Wonder Woman. So we've seen The Last Jedi and Wonder Woman, and we need to see Logan, and I kind of want to see Get Out, even though I, I, have I don't a feeling do horror it, movies, but... Yeah, I have a feeling this one's going to come down to Get Out and The Shape of Water. Yeah, which I don't know if I want to see The Shape of Water. I, I really liked Pan's Labyrinth that Guillermo del Toro did, but I don't know. 
So yeah. So yes, the Hugo Awards. That's coming up. Or not the Hugo. Nebula, Nebula Awards. That's Hugo, coming up soon. Hugo Awards are still taking nominations. So if you have a, a membership to Worldcon, you can nominate for the Hugo Awards. And I am lobbying for 17,776 to be nominated for Best Novella. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a vote, uh, please do check that out. It is very good and very award worthy. Mm-hmm. And let's see, uh, the Oscars are tomorrow. Yes, I have seen none of the movies that are nominated, and neither of you. <laughs> yeah, but why are you tuning in? Because Mark Hamill is going to present. <laughs> I mean, I always watch the Oscars. I like watching it, but I this is like, I think the first year I haven't seen any of the nominated movies. Like, And it's not even a case of like, oh, I just, we just haven't seen them. Like, I haven't even like heard of them. Or, like, none of them really appealed to me. I'm hoping that now that we have Movie Pass, we actually go see more movies that are nominated for Best Picture. But who knows? And uh, The Expanse Season 3 is returning April 11th, which means we're going to need to use this weekend to get caught up. Mm-hmm. Yes. We are so far behind, but uh, it's one of my favorite shows on television right now. Uh, the Expanse, again, returns April 11th. And finally... Uh, Avengers Infinity War uh, had its release date moved up to April 27th in a very cute Twitter marketing stunt. (laughs) Yeah, uh, so Marvel, I guess, tweeted about uh, who's excited for Infinity War, and Robert Downey Jr. responded and, like, back and forth that he wanted to see it early, so they're like, okay, we'll release it early. (laughs) It was cute. That's that's, uh, that's how you uh, smartly move up your release date. Yeah. And let's see here. Hey, we do have some Star Wars stuff for the Star Wars Corner. We're still talking about that yeah. on TSR. And uh, we've got solo teasers. Yeah. And articles. Yeah. And book announcements. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. So there were two teasers. And uh, one of them was before the Super Bowl. It was kind of like the teaser for the teaser. But it was like 45 seconds long. And then there was the actual teaser trailer the next day. Um, they were not the same. And uh, so we got our first, um, excuse me, we got our first um, look at Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. We got to hear him as Han Solo. We got to see Donald Glover as Lando. And uh, we uh, then the Entertainment Weekly articles, we got all of them um, like we learned more about the characters and what to expect in the movie. And the thing that jumped out at me most is that it is a, looks like it's a heist movie. And I'm excited for that. (laughs) In a way we got scoundrels adapted for film. Hooray. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, um, I'm, I don't know. What are your feelings about solo, Brian? (laughs) I'm weirdly looking forward to it so I can talk about something other than The Last Jedi and Rebels. <laughs> really? Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> well, we'll tell you more about Rebels next week when we make that our main discussion topic. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited for the discourse to shift elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I... Yeah... I, so I'm excited. Mostly I'm excited. <laughs> it was just funny. Like, I, whenever I say these things, I'm like, Luke Skywalker is my favorite character who is a Jedi. However, 
I really dislike when all the focus is on the Jedi and the Force. <laughs> like, and, like, I was looking forward to Rebels because they had said the last two seasons were going to focus more on, like, the military and the rebellion versus the Empire. Which it didn't. Yeah. I mean, it did, kind of, and then it went back. I mean, it, it they brought in Thrawn, which was good, but then we also got, like, Bendu and Maul, and now we have, like, the whole mortis rehash so like i'm like okay great fine but i want more of like the rebellion and the formation of the rebellion and their their fighting and all this stuff so like i'm looking forward to solo because there's gonna be no jedi (laughs) and no force stuff and it will be nice like like rogue one yeah I'm looking forward to that. And it's not like I don't like the Jedi and the Force stuff. I think my problem is during this time period, I don't like Jedi and the Force stuff because it's supposed to be the dark times when there are no Jedi. Even for me, even in any era, it's just Jedi and Force in moderation, please, because when that's all you have, things are just so much less interesting. There's so much less texture and variety in the story. It's all... What weird force shenanigans can we get up to this week rather than making things about character and art? Yeah, and well, like, and that's the thing is, like, I like stories that are about the Jedi. I think I dislike things that are about the force. And, like, like, if you're, like, if they, to me, it seems like they focus more on, like, the weird stuff than, like, the character. Well, and I know people will disagree with me, but. Well, my my problem when the when stuff is so force centric and force focused is it becomes less about characters at yeah. that point and becomes more about the MacGuffin that is the Force. Right, and that's why I liked the Last Jedi is because even though they did explore the Force and it's like I mean the title is the Last Jedi, it's about Luke and Rey as people and Luke like trying to live up to that idea yeah so like the last episode of rebels wasn't about weren't about characters yeah it was about this force manifestation yeah that was everything it was about the characters were just ancillary ancillary pieces to Mm -hmm. showing off this cool new force concept idea and that's when things go sideways yes but we're gonna talk about that next week we should talk about solo this (laughs) okay Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so Solo is going to be about Solo and not about the Force, which I'm glad about. <laughs> uh, we also got some book announcements for Solo. Yes. And I was not... So there's going to be a uh, Delroy book called Last Shot by Daniel Jose Older. There's also going to be a YA novel by Ray Carson about Han and Kira, who is the character played by... Amelia Clark and apparently like they've known each other for a long time they kind of I guess they grew up together I it seems like um and I was kind of like oh, okay that's cool wasn't really interested and then I read the blurb for the Han and Lando book and then I read the excerpt and now I'm really excited for that book because it did the thing that always gets you it sets it after Jedi yeah I have a thing and not even after Jedi after Jack who like we're in real unknown territory here yeah so like yeah it was um I was super it's basically has three parts 
The first part is when Lando owned the Falcon. And then the second part is after Han gained possession of the Falcon. And then the third part is after um, Jakku. And apparently, like, Lando is on the run from some guy and they have to, like, help him. And one of the characters is an Ewok prodigy slicer. <laughs> Aaron, wherever you are, I hope you get a copy of this book. <laughs> right? So, yeah. And then they had an excerpt that came out on, um, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. And it featured Han and um, baby Ben Solo. And it was very, very cute. Aww. And um, so, yeah, I'm excited for that one. Um, also, we're getting the standard, like, solo guide and... Vizdick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that ever again. <laughs> Visual dictionary. It's actually, I think it's going to be calm, like, it's going to be, because, like, last that I had... The visual guide and the cross sections. I think this is going to be combined, okay, combined. into gotcha. one. Um, but yeah, so but like solo itself, like we kind of have an idea that it's a heist, but like we still don't really know like when exactly it takes place. Like I think it has a spot on the Delray timeline now, um, but like it looks. Like, there's stuff set, like, when Han is younger, like, 19-ish, and then there's, like, later stuff. So I don't know if there's going to be, like, two different timelines in this book or what. Yeah. And we'll, uh, we'll or in this movie. We'll have to wait and find out. Oh, um, speaking of book stuff, uh, The Last Jedi novelization comes out next week. Yes. Very excited. Yeah. I, I had to mute the hashtag on Twitter because people have bought gotten it at emerald city comic con and are tweeting about it and i don't want to know anything until i read it because even though i've you know know the plot of the book i know jason fry will still manage to tear my heart out that he will because he does that and the blu-ray comes out soon yes uh the novelization and the blu-ray soon as well as Actually, the digital edition next week is the digital edition the the digital edition comes out next to the four, the thirteenth. So I'm gonna come home from work today that day and watch La Shedai, <laughs> and then the Blu-ray comes out two weeks later, and I'm gonna buy that. I'm getting the 4K Blu-ray. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, new movies from Ryan Johnson and the Game of Thrones guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First off, I'm I am excited about the Ryan Ryan Johnson yeah. getting his own blank slate canvas. Yeah. To do some movies. Uh, he is only directing the first one, I believe. Right. Uh, so it sounds like there's opportunity there for other people to come in. And and Ryan? Ryan? He said he loved Black Panther. Mm-hmm. He should hire the guy who directed Black Panther. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he sees A Wrinkle in Time and enjoys that movie, he should... Hire the person who directed that movie. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just saying. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's one thing. But then the Game of Thrones guys get a series of films. And... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't say how many. It just said a series of films. Yeah, I mean, okay, fine. Um, the problem is when 
you still haven't gotten women to write and direct these films. Mm-hmm. And then you go and get the guys known for brutalizing women in their TV show. Yeah. That's bad optics. It's very it's bad optics. It's super lousy bad optics. So it's beyond time, Lucasfilm. Put up or shut up. <laughs> it really is. I like, and I, I trust Ryan Johnson more to hire people to hire like a diverse group of people to make his movies um i don't necessarily trust these the game of thrones guys to do it well because they have no track record of doing it yeah so great yeah fantastic yeah we've been saying this long enough now get women and people of color working on these films period end of story do it yeah um, but like in addition, like oh, so um, Kate, who is one of the um Book Wars pod, oh, right, right, pod hosts, wrote a a a column about this. Her first column on the site, uh, which was about um the hiring of the Game of Thrones guys and how um pe- why everyone who makes Star Wars seems to be so white, um, and also male but definitely white and um it's you know i we talked about the the han and lando novel last shot uh not written by a a white guy finally (laughs) um so i delray has done a really good job with branching out more and hiring authors who are not just white men um, there's a lot more women authors now writing for Delray. Um, so I, I I know I know they want to continue hiring novelists who who haven't written for Star Wars before. So um, and if you look at the the table of contents for from a certain point of view, you'll see that most a lot of them are people who haven't written Star Wars before and they're not, you know, just men and you know they're not just white people. So um I think they're doing a good job. It's time for the rest of the franchise to kind of step up. And like, I I hate when you, when you talk about this and the first thing people say is like, well, Kathleen Kennedy is running the Lucasfilm and Ray is the lead. So like, shouldn't that be okay? Shouldn't that be enough for you? Are we at parody yet? No. (laughs) Nope. We're not there. We're not good yet. I mean, even like, I counted the number of women who spoke in The Last Jedi because that's a thing I do for all the Star Wars movies. And it was 19, which is the most of any Star Wars movie so far, which is great. But when you consider how many men spoke in the movie, it's not great. And also how many of those were just like a one word thing or a yell, which I counted. And also how many of those women were not white. Yeah. And (laughs) so... Listen, I, I, I'm not here to take, I'm not here for any excuses of uh, worrying about financials either over this, because we just saw Black Panther do 700 million worldwide in two yeah. weekends. So, Star Wars is way behind the eight ball at this point. Right. And platitudes and resting on previous accomplishments doesn't cut it anymore. Yeah. It's time. Yeah. And like, yes, it's great that Kathleen Kennedy is running the franchise and she's said how important it is to get women making Star Wars movies. So I would really like to see her do that and not just say it. 
Um, and like another thing that is interesting to come like this can be a whole other discussion but like we got the announcement that ryan johnson was making three more movies we got the announcements that the game of thrones uh people were making a series of movies is this too many movies (laughs) no not for me really i i had just said like there's never enough Star Wars. And then they announced that the Game of Thrones guys were making Star Wars movies. And I was like, God damn it. Okay, so <laughs> I, I will say that if they'd announced anybody else, literally almost anybody else uh-huh. for those movies, mm-hmm. we'd all be happier. Yeah. I mean, it is it is interesting, though, because they haven't announced the third standalone movie. And I don't know if that's still a thing. I have a feeling it's dead. Yeah, which is sad because I was I I think I I'm intrigued by like the idea of Ryan Johnson and making a trilogy and like doing his own thing. But I really liked the idea of the standalone movies. And like I know a lot of people like were like, oh well, we don't need a Han Solo origin story or we don't need a movie about Obi-Wan Kenobi, blah blah blah. But like for me, like the reason these movies are appealing to me is because they seem like old EU books yeah. come to film. And I, I guess a part of that is the three films, I mean, third one probably isn't even happening now, but that was the Trank film. Yeah. Uh, seem to be so problem plagued. Yeah. That I guess they, I guess it just became too much of a problem but and too I much really of a hassle to deal with. I Rogue One and I just, I like the idea of these this movie's off doing their own thing, so. No, I, I agree. Um, <laughs> it's a bummer, but yeah, I suspect that third standalone film is dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the Star Wars Corner this week. Star Wars Corner! I need bumpers for that. More of a circle. <laughs> <laughs> we had bumpers at one time. We did. We should get them and use them all the time. That would it require more editing for you, but you can well, do it. You I, can I do had it. I have a soundboard. Yeah. I just need to figure out a better way to do it because that soundboard was stupidly unreliable. <laughs> well, I mean, you could just splice in the bumpers before the actual like segment starts. Like you can mark it down and then put it in there. You know. That would require more work for you, but you can do it. I believe in you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We do have other improvements coming along the way. Um, the show you're going to hear today has some probably temporary intro and outro music. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this is new TSR. <laughs> Same as the old TSR? Eh, kind of. Mm-hmm. Hey, um, let's talk about something. Let's talk about superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because we have had a good spate of them of late. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, the state of the superhero. So, there have been um, two, three films in particular we have really enjoyed the last year and change. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman, Thor, Ragnarok, and Black Panther. Yes. And what do they all have in common? Um, they're not the typical superhero origin story that we've gotten since Iron Man came out. Actually, I would say even before Iron Man, if you consider like Superman, Batman, blah, blah, blah. But they're not white dudes. (laughs) And they're not made by white dudes. (laughs) 
And they all did really good at the box office, despite not being made by white dudes. Right. And like, okay, I'm going to say, you know, that's not to say that a movie made by white dudes or starring white dudes can't be good. I know a lot of people love the new Spider-Man movie. I didn't see it because I'm not a huge fan of Spider-Man. But, you know, also, you know, Thor still is about a white dude. (laughs) Thor is white. (laughs) Uh, So... But, you know, the people, uh, you know, Taika Waititi was the director and he brought a different perspective to the movie um, and it ended up exploring like colonization and those sorts of themes and ended up in like hiding your past um, with Hela and like that ended up being really good. Uh, you have Wonder Woman, who is, you know, which is starring a woman made by a woman, um, Patty Jenkins. And, I, you know, I, I know there are people who have problems with Wonder Woman. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's still a pretty white movie. But I have never felt the way I felt while watching Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, and even, like, I say, I would say the closest thing is, like... Ray grabbing the lightsaber in The Force Awakens. Um, it was that moment, but like expanded for like a whole movie. <laughs> because like I remember during the No Man's Land scene, I just kind of like watched her climb up out of the trench and was just like, oh my God. Like I was just like ready to cry. And then like the whole last scene, I was just kind of like staring at it in awe. And at one point you leaned over to me and you're like, are you okay? And I was like, no, is this what it feels like to be a guy watching movies your whole life? Or to be a white guy watching movies your whole life? And let's is this why white men are so confident? <laughs> because you see yourselves doing this time all the time? Uh, <laughs> Granted, uh, Brian cannot answer that question. So the, I can't, the you no. is the the collective you. <laughs> but yeah. The collective um, you of white guys. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, um, and, you know, Wonder Woman did do some things that were, um, you know, it addressed the fact that um, one of her team members, Sammy, was, uh, you know, he wanted to be an actor, but he was the wrong color. And that's what, you know, he says that in the movie. And there's that exchange between Diana and the chief when she asks like well who did this to your people or who did that to your people and he uh makes a gesture at uh steve trevor lying on the ground and says his people um and it was just like kind of a you know a throwaway line they didn't linger on it but it said so much and i think that's why it worked because it didn't linger on it and it didn't try to bang it into your head like this was bad but it also didn't gloss it over like this didn't happen, you know, and, you know, it focused on the fact that it's, you know, it takes place during World War One, which I appreciated because I love period superhero movies like for First Avenger. <laughs> and it, you know, focused on the fact that there the one side wasn't like the good side or the bad side. Like, yes, you know, we we are fighting against Germany, but th- like there was you know, good and bad people like fighting that war. Uh, and 
you know, Diana is like, well, if we can just, you know, stop Ares, everything will be fine. And then, you know, she, you know, she she has that confrontation with Steve Trevor when he's she's like, you're just like them or something like that. But um, that's why I was really glad that they put that movie in World War One and not World War Two, because I think it would have been a lot harder to do the whole like everyone caused the war if you had a world war ii <laughs> you could not make that argument yeah. for world war ii although it would have been with hitler especially in the last year or so it would have been nice to just get a nazi punching film oh it would have which is why i wish wonder the sequel to wonder woman would have been her in world war ii Agreed. and not in present day but alas so yeah um and then uh so yeah, we had those those two movies, which were great, um, and made made a whole lot of money. Um, Thor is just one whole like colonization allegory. Like if you study history, it's like you know basically the whole backstory is Hela and Odin were uh, you know took over all like the nine realms, and odin was like using her ruthlessness to take over and then he decided like oh he had enough and he wasn't comfortable with her um with her uh ruthlessness anymore so in her ambition anymore so he kind of just like cast her out just like he did to thor <laughs> and then just like overwrote all the history to ignore her so that thor and loki don't even know who she is pretty much um and like when she returns you're kind of like well yeah it sucks what happened to you and that he just glossed everything over and pretended like you never existed um but also like you shouldn't be going out and conquering everyone now anyway <laughs> so it was it was very good i liked it yes yes it was a great film <laughs> I'm doing all the talking. You talk now. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, there's Black Panther. I mean, Black Panther is a film that wasn't written for us. No. But I th I think potentially it's the most important film Marvel has done. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, it's definitely like it's it's not it's not the type of movie you see in you know, Western American cinema all the time. And that's why I think it's important. But at the same time, like, I never sat here, I never sat watching the movie thinking, like, this isn't for me. Or, no. or I can't relate to this. Which is why I never understand when people like, say those sorts of things. Because I'm like, I'm watching this and I'm like, oh yeah, I, I can see where Killmonger is coming from. And like, Oh man, I love Okoe. She's so awesome. And like I never thought like Yeah, so these this, people are different from me. <laughs> this is a film where you and I are clearly not the target, but we're still getting something out of it and it's important that people like us see these films. Yeah. Well, and I mean like you people of color have been talking about this movie and saying like this, you know, if you white pe white people say they can't relate to this movie, well We've been relating to white people, like, our whole lives in movies. Like, how many people would say, like, oh, Luke Skywalker is their hero or, like, Superman is their hero or something like that? You know, no no, no one is ever looking at – no one really looks at Luke Skywalker and says, I can't empathize with him because I'm not a guy or I'm not white. Like, that's the whole point of 
making a movie and writing it well is that you should be able to, you know, empathize with everyone. The difference comes with like seeing yourself in the people on screen. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing. Like, whereas Luke Skywalker is my favorite character and I love watching him, I never felt like that could be me until I was like watching Wonder Woman or like Ray or that sort of thing. Um, I'm sure there were other instances before it, but those were like the f most forefront in my mind. So like to have people being able to watch a movie like that Black Panther, which which isn't just and I think why it was so important is because it's not just Black Panther is in the movie like um, Civil War was his first appearance. And I really liked him in that movie. But in that movie, he's one character among all the other superheroes, mm -hmm. most of whom are white. Whereas Black Panther, he goes black back to the Wakanda and everyone is black, you know? And like, there's what, two white people on the home? Maybe three? I think the coffee, the museum lady, Claw, and then um, Ross. Ross are really like the only white people in the whole movie. <laughs> And that doesn't happen in big budget blockbusters hardly mm -hmm. ever. Yeah, and um, a film like this is important not just to uh, give underrepresented folks uh, a chance to see themselves on the screen, but like you said, to teach white folks <laughs> that, uh, hey, you can't empathize with people who don't look like you. Yeah. And to also force them to confront some uncomfortable things and themes. And there's a couple lines Killmonger had in there <laughs> where uh, in the theater we were in, uh, a bunch of white folks around us just got a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, even I did. The whole part when they were talking about like helping out the the refugees and they said, well, if they come here, they bring our little problems. Like, I think like several people around us kind of went, <laughs> and I thought the same thing. I was like, "Ooh, yeah." That was pointed. Yeah, that's that's pointed. <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, um, I mean, and I think one of the uh, another important thing Black Panther did was obliterate the notion that if you weren't making a film for the white gaze, it won't make money. Right. Yeah, and that's that's important. Um, you know, it, it was made. It was not made by white people. <laughs> Most importantly, it was not made for Marvel's core demo. Right. Like there was, I you know, when we went to see it again, we saw it the first time on the Disney cruise, and so like most, it was we went to the midnight showing. Um, because it was, you know, we were like, oh, we're on a cruise, let's go see the midnight movie premiere, blah, blah. And, you know, the demographic, I would say, was kind of skewed white. <laughs> but, you know, it was, you know, men and women. It was like, it was whatever the demographic for the cruise was, is what who was in the theater. So, but when we went to see it the following weekend, we went on sa at Saturday at like 1030. I would say... The majority of the theater was not white. Agreed. Um, yeah. And like, it wasn't to the point where I was like, I noticed it going in. It wasn't something where I was like, oh, that's, I'm uncomfortable. But I was just like, 
I was like, oh, you usually don't see that because most of the movies that come out are very white, <laughs> you know? But I it it made me happy because I wanted and then I'm like, I hope like like if people who don't traditionally go see Marvel movies go see Black Panther, like, and maybe they'll want to go see more Marvel movies, <laughs> you know? Uh same thing with the start with the new Star but Wars movies. There's an audience out there, and I think Wonder Woman to a degree demonstrated this too. There's an audience yeah. out there that is not the white male 18 to 49 demo mm-hmm. that is not being tapped into with any regularity, right. with any concerted effort, unless you have these rare one-off films like Wonder Woman and yeah. Black Panther yeah. that deliberately say we are not making a film that is pandering right. to this demographic. Right. We're going to make a film that speaks to other experiences and speaks yeah. to other people. Right. And we believe it will do well. And they did. Yeah. Because they're hitting a demo that Hollywood way too frequently ignores. And it's out there. It's a demo that is, it's their demos that are ready and willing and want to support content that resonates with their experiences, that resonates with who they are and what they look like. Yeah. And that it's taken until the year of our Lord 20 damn 18 (laughs) to get a film like Black Panther is a crime. Yeah. And like, it's the whole point of like going of experiencing fiction is to experience other people's stories. And like, like I read books that are fantastical and science fiction because I don't want to have something that I live every day. Like I want to go and who escape into another world or I want to read about people who aren't like me. Um, So this is why I never understood people who will say they can't get into a movie if they, if it's not the case where like, if a white person's like, well, I Black Panther isn't for me. I'm not interested, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm just like, but why wouldn't you be like, it's different than what you normally live. It's a new experience. It gives you something new. Like, that's the whole point of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then where fiction succeeds is when you can see yourself in it. And your experiences so that even I, as a white person, can go to Black Panther. And while I haven't, I won't say, oh, yeah, I relate to that. I can see, like, things like Killmonger talks about. And I, like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of what I studied in history class about this period in time, you know? You know, and you can, like, make connections that you've experienced. And also, like, just the fact we're, like... Seeing all those videos of, like, black kids going to see Black Panther, I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I want everyone to be able to have that sort of experience. Because why wouldn't you want everyone to have that sort of experience? Exactly. And I, I'm i really happy that these three films in particular have been object lessons in how so many of these stupid arguments against giving these films to creators of color and to women 
will result in diminished box office right. success or diminished resonance with the core demographic. Um, that if you're not pandering to the core demo at all times, yeah. the film won't work. And because we were discussing why specifically we like the new, the, these two, that past two Marvel movies we think have been the best ones because they're not the traditional Marvel movies because they, we've been having these for since what, 2008? Mm-hmm. And th- they've gotten kind of stale. Yeah, they're not the traditional Marvel movies. And more importantly, they're being helmed by people who are not the typical white male director out of Hollywood. They're being directed by uh, people of color who have different experiences, who have different viewpoints, who have gone through different things and just have a different look at the world. Right. And that translates directly into their films. And it makes the films different. It makes the films... It makes the film something we haven't seen before. Right. And it makes them special. Where the third, you know, you get the third Thor movie and you're like, ugh, more of the same Thor. But it's not. And I think Thor, I think Ragnarok is a interesting study because it's different from Black Panther and Wonder Woman in that the lead is still a white dude. Most of the, you know, most of the main characters are still white dudes. Like, you have Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. You have Idris Elba as um, Heimdall. And, and a few... Um, oh, and the... Um, I forget the, the actress's name, but she she was... She plays the... Um, the Grandmaster's, like, kind of second-in-command. Oh, yeah, yeah. Rachel, Rachel House, is that her I name? I think so. Okay, so her. But other than that, everyone in this movie is pretty much white. Um, white men, with the exception of uh, Hela, but even so, you get someone who's not a white dude making this movie, and you get something different. Um, you know, one of the things I've talked about with people regarding um Star Wars books and comics is the whole idea that author, like women authors, can only write or should only be writing the books that are led by women or that authors of color should be writing like Lando books. Whereas like we have Daniel Jose older. I cannot wait to see his take on Han. What about Han? And yes, Lando as well. But you know, he's, you know, no, I, I, and, um, what was the, uh, Marjorie Lee, Marjorie Lou wrote the comic about, Han Solo. And I remember when that came out, some people thought, well, why didn't they, why didn't she write a comic about Leia and have um the author of the Leia comic write about Han? And it's like, no. No, let's get these people in here yeah. to provide a very different perspective on these established characters and franchises. Yeah. Like I think that's just it's just as important to have like a director like Ryan Coogler direct Black Panther, as it is to have Ryan Coogler direct, say a a, a movie about Ray or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's you know you don't diversity behind and in front of the camera is important. Yeah, I mean they should absolutely have the films that 
reflect... Everyone else have. Well, they, sh- they should oh, absolutely yeah, have the films that reflect yeah. their background. But they should be getting the same shot that white mm-hmm. guys are getting on everything else. And like, and that's where it gets frustrating when you have the argument of like, well, shouldn't it be the best person for the job directing it? It's like, well, yes. Why is the assumption but, a white guy is that? Yeah, exactly. So like, it should be the best person for the job. And when you have directors who are 50-50 man and woman or 50-50 white and black, then you could say, okay, have... You know, like this. Let's do this. Do you think Zack Snyder is a better fit for the DC <laughs> universe than Ryan Coogler? No. <laughs> but like, if say you have, we have the ideal situation where there is parity in in directors or you know just filmmakers in general, then you can have a situation where you can have like say, I. I'm just pulling the name out of the air. Ron Howard, direct Black Panther. And you can have Ryan Coogler direct the Han Solo movie, <laughs> you know? But right now, we don't have that. And that's why people get a, people want a woman to make the Captain Marvel movie or the Wonder Woman movie. And you want an off, a Black director to direct Black Panther. And I mean, and like, Black-led, Black lead character films, women lead character films are already in such short supply right? that it's really important to get it right. Right. So get people with those experiences behind the ca- behind the lens for those. Um, and, and as we're seeing now, there's no reason they shouldn't be also be getting a Captain America. They shouldn't also be getting a Thor. Yeah. Um, who is the, who is, um, uh, the, who is uh they just announced the guy writing Captain America and I can't remember his name. Uh Tanahisi Coates. Yes. I, I pronounced it. I know I pronounced which it wrong. Which is a total 180 from Nick Spencer. Yeah. But like, you know, someone, you know, a black man writing Captain America, like that's a huge deal and you need you need we need that as well. So like that's why I feel like Thor had such a different outlook to it this time around because it had a director who was coming at it from a different perspective and not even just like you know a not white perspective but you know of someone who's from new zealand and has that perspective of colonization i I will disagree that a ron howard should be doing like a black panther just because black panther is so heavily ingrained into a culture that i don't think he can really tap into right okay so then yeah i yeah, you're right. But I, I meant like if you have – see, I can't even think of anything right now because <laughs> there's so few. But like you know what I mean. Like if you like if you have a, a, a superhero who is, who is not white, like have – you know, in I'm saying in the ideal world, if we had parody, then you would have that sort of situation where you could have people who are directing movies – I'm not explaining myself very well. <laughs> You're looking at me like I'm saying we don't have parody right now, so those arguments don't make sense. Mm-hmm. If we did have parody, then well, you could you, have that sort you of. You don't. We don't have parody, so the argument's a total non-starter. And even if right. you did have parody, the argument may still be a non-starter. Right. You're true. Yeah. You're right. So yeah. But you know, and you know, there's also the argument where, like, you know, you don't want to say, oh, okay, you. Certain people can't 
create movies or create books about characters that aren't like themselves. Well, it it depends. It depends on the topic, the book yes. or the film is covering. Yes. Like Ron Howard directing a film about Wakanda is just not appropriate. Right. Um Ron Howard directing a film that features Black Panther. Yes. Not is not necessarily inappropriate or better yet because i'm staring at her right now ron howard directing a movie about ray sloan yeah because she's in star wars yeah and but it's it's very much about the subject matter and the story you're trying to tell if you're ron howard trying to tell yeah a story about wakanda and black panther that's a non-starter and it doesn't matter if there's parody or not right um but yes superhero movies they've been a vessel for change in hollywood I hope they continue to yes. do that. And again, Star Wars. Black Panther has made $700 million yeah. worldwide in two weekends. Mm-hmm. These writers and directors are ready. Yeah. There is no grooming needed. They are set to do this. They are out there. Mm-hmm. Go find another Ryan Coogler. Go find another Patty Jenkins. Go find another Ava DuVarney. Jordan Peele. Go find another Jordan Peele. They are out there. They are ready to tell and like these and those stories. and those are the people directing like big blood big budget blockbusters. Like think like someone like Ryan Johnson. He didn't really have like he had some indie big films. Movies. His biggest film was Looper. Right? Looper. Yeah, that was his highest budget so, film. Like, take someone like him. See, how, yeah, if you're willing to give a Ryan Johnson a shot, who is yeah. primarily or known Gareth for some, Edwards. yeah, primarily known for some indie fil- low, lower budget indie films and television work. If you're willing to give them the keys to the kingdom, why aren't you giving a pre Black Panther Ryan Coogler yeah. a shot at this? Exactly. And like, and the great thing about you know putting it into Star Wars is that Star Wars isn't our galaxy, so you can create stories that are pretty much anything in any allegory you want. <laughs> like, and you can you can basically tell any story that you want to and reflect you know your experiences there, mm-hmm. and it would make total sense because you're not. And that's why, like, a story like Black Panther works so well, I th- think, because it's it's based on these, it's based in our reality, but it's also fantastical because it's about a superhero. But they went through the pains of going through and, like, making everything, like, true to life. Mm-hmm. Am I making sense? No, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. We should wrap it up there. Should we? I think so. <laughs> but yes, go read other people's opinions about Black Panther that are not ours. <laughs> yes, uh, there are many great black voices who have been talking about Black Panther, what it represented, what it accomplished, and what it means to that community. Yeah. Go seek them out. Yes. And We're, then- We are just saying, look at this as an example for what everyone else should do. Yeah. So <laughs> these three films have shown that- Directors of color, women, are no riskier than any white dude you'd get to direct or write a film. And having the movies star the people who are not just white dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, I and I don't even know why that is even an argument anymore. When you've had, like, Wonder Woman and you've had Star Wars with all the female leads that we have now. 
Like, I don't understand why it's even an argument. And why don't we still have a Black Widow movie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So thank you to these three films for blowing up those bad faith arguments. Yeah. So Star Wars, other studios, you're behind the eight ball. Get going. Yeah. All right. Yep. Let's wrap it there. Okay. This episode of TSR has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon subscribers. Again, that's uh, patreon.com slash Tashi Station. Uh, you can join in over there to help us uh, support the shows we have on the network and to get in on our uh, Patreon-exclusive Slack team. Uh, you can find us on Twitter with the handle Tashi underscore Station, uh, at Lane Winry. That's me, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-E-E-R-E-E. <laughs> It's been a while since I've done this. Uh, Nancy Pants, that's Nancy with an I. And you can find our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Thanks for catching us. We'll see you next time. Bye. TSR is brought to you by you, our Patreon subscribers. Visit patreon.com slash Station to help us keep the lights on and to get access to our Patreon-exclusive Slack team.